With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to the Raccoons Show. Good to have you with us, gang. Happy Monday. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Did you enjoy week 12 as much as we did? Some absolute belters, weren't there? And I and Mike and I are going to get into them all in just a few moments' time. Before we do, though, big announcement for you. Many of you will know that we are partnered up with the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Every year, a big game in August, the August Bank Holiday Weekend in Dublin. And FSU a couple of weeks back and they are one of the teams coming over next summer. FSU versus Georgia Tech is the game and you can now register interest to get early info and early release tickets. If you head on over to collegefootballisland.com we'll put the link in the show notes as well. collegefootballisland.com I've got to tell you the atmosphere in the last couple of years in Dublin has been off the chart. It is such a cracking weekend. I mean, the game itself is is great, but all the other good stuff that goes along with it in the city of Dublin, what is not to love about that? We're going to be out there again. Make sure you are too. Head on over collegefootballisland.com, right? NFL week 12 in the bag. Let's get down to business. Mike, good to see you. Have we recovered from Thanksgiving yet, or where are we at? Well, I, I guess so, but I, you know, I looked at your photographs. It looks like I was having a good time. <laughs> They're the worst photographs we have ever seen. No, not. But, that's but not it, well, I, I, I kind of reminds me of my father, who went drunk. I once described as a human puddle. <laughs> his, he with his face with a period of melt. <laughs> you know the tan was on. You look good. You're wearing the some idiot shirt from Carnage Days. I've no, got that, some good that's my, one of my favorites. I saved that for very special occasions. I got some good bunny ish behind you as well. I saw that. Shirt. I hadn't noticed <laughs> at the time. But that's payback the... <laughs> from about nine years ago. <laughs> well, it was great fun. Great to see you there, bud, and great to see you now. There's a huge amount I want to get into. Um, let's start with the playoff race because it's in some respects shaping up quite clearly. In other respects, it's more confusing than ever let's go from the top down to begin with so eagles at 10 and 1 now the best record in the nfl are they the best team in the nfl right now well i think we went into this last week and you know they they have a certain amount of balance and they also have an awful lot of i I hesitate to use words like character or will um of that kind of thing but that was the fourth game in a row they've won after trailing at halftime which apparently has only been done three other times in the modern NFL. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
you have to give them a lot of respect for that. And, you know, I think Buffalo played really well at times. Uh, and I also thought yesterday was a pretty good week for some of some of the commentators picking up on, on things. And especially in in that game, you know, the way the way that Philadelphia started attacking the outside with the run, which forced Buff, Buffalo to go out of the two deep zone. Uh, in effect, and then opened things up for for Jalen Hurts. But you have to admire both. I mean, Allen again made made a few mistakes. Um, you know, there were kind of unforced errors, and I'm not sure whether the Gabe Davis at you know the Allen to Gabe Davis pass was you know was his or his mistake or Davis's mistake or or a mutual one. It's hard to tell. But um, but Hurts in in the clutch. You know, not only the running. But the pass to Zacharias was as good a pass as you will yeah. see all year. You know, he's he spotted a very narrow opening, you know, literally just Micah Hyde starting to turn and Zacharias being maybe, a I don't know, a step and a half behind him or even less. And he put the ball up where Zacharias could go to it and Hyde obviously couldn't. Uh, it was a beautiful throw. I mean, well, let's, go know, to the, let's go to the passing young mailbag for the very first time today. And of course, don't forget, uh, Iron Mike will be picking his favorite Answer, favorite question, rather, and maybe his favorite answer. <laughs> yeah, my fa- answer. yeah, I'll pick my favorite answer and I get the 25 pounds. <laughs> yeah, it's the way you start a profile. <laughs> favorite question, and uh, that'll be a 25 pounds tab at Passion Cavity, our friends, of course, you hosted us so so kindly and so generously. It was such a great, such a great debt night, too. They were really, really good. Yeah, it's a good gang there. It's a good gang there. Well, Jamie's got one uh, just on that specific throw you were talking about. And he said, No one's giving Hertz much credit with that touchdown throw. If it was Mahomes, it would be everywhere when are american commentators actually going to sit up and pay attention it's an interesting question because hurts feels and we've been talking a lot in in recent weeks about this uh quarterback tiering particularly in in light of the the tom brady comments last week and greg cousin greg craig rosenthal and i were were chatting about it on the show last week we often talk about it mike this top tier of players with mahomes with burrow and it feels like hurts is the kind of top of the second tier but do you think he might be Oh, he's first. He's first tier. Yeah, he's underestimated. He was underestimated at Alabama as well, um, and I think his passing has improved since you know since since then, since his college days and since his first couple of seasons in in the NFL. Um, but but you know I, I say this all the time. Credit to Philadelphia who decided after that trial period, you know, and it's that he was their quarterback of the future and they would build around him rather than trying to go find another quarterback. And that's one of the secrets. Um, to their success now. Um, and I think that... What makes him top tier, Mike? Because you talk about his clutch play, you talk about his dual threat ability and precision I, well, in terms I, of that throw. Is, it, is he a good Is he a good all-round? I think that's part of it. And, and, you know, you can't underestimate nowadays the importance of a, a running quarterback. And, you know, a few weeks ago, I talked about the Bills and, you know, what are they going to do differently? And, you know, I said, you know, Josh Allen has to run the ball more. That's part of the secret yeah. of their game is you can't you can't really account for him and keep everybody covered and hurts creates the same kind of problems for you you know they ran a couple of of rpos that were really really effective because that third option is the one is the one that kills you mm. um and when he's passing the way he is and you know you notice that it was it was getting it was getting um wasn't again it wasn't uh Having having to go to AJ all all the time, you know, it was Devonta Smith that yeah. they were getting into those open areas on the outside. Once that two deep zone w- was gone, and you know, he recognized it 
immediately. That was the plan, obviously. But Smith is such a great weapon for them because he is the second receiving option. You know, and remember, they're doing this without Goddard, who sure. you know who helped open things up in 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 the middle. Um, I, I'm just you know hugely impressed by his by his performance. You know, he I mean he made a couple of mistakes. He got suckered into a into a pick. Um, but you know that that happens. And and the other guy who probably doesn't get enough um credit was Jake Elliott. Uh, yeah. You know, that 59 yard field goal, I thought for sure Buffalo had won that game at that point. Uh but well, do you think you know, Matt Amendola was still sitting in the Texas locker room hours after He'd missed his 58 yarder, and then that came on the screen, and he was, "Oh, come on!" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Matt Amendola is not, you know, he, he does he doesn't have the power reputation, power leg reputation of Elliot, you know. And Elliot said, "Oh, though, you'd have loved this because we do that we do that game on radio, and it was uh, Maselli and that crew, the Jags crew, and the uh, I, we were looking thinking about the over under on how many times they were talking throughout the broadcast, and particularly as the game played out the way it did, Texans Jags game." that Matt Amadola had never made a 50-yard or more field goal in his NFL career. They, I think it was about 37 times they kept on saying, he's never, <laughs> so I was saying to the boys, I guarantee you he's going to make this, to take this to overtime. We're going to be here for another 40, 40 minutes. I mean, bless him. Yeah, well, I, well, you know, it, if the Patriots had, had missed that field goal um, with the kicker, they traded up in the fourth round to get while passing on Dewan Jones at right, right. tackle. Um, that game could have, the overtime could have gone on to infinity. It would have been like first team scores. I thought it might be a nil-nil game. I really did at one, at one oh, stage. For, I, I think they're the first team since the 93 Patriots. I think I read it somewhere. So that's 30 years mm. to hold the opponents to 10 or less points in two straight weeks and lose both games. And lose both games. <laughs> it, it, it's insane. But back to the Eagles. Yeah. You know, I, I thought too, Jason Kelsey, after the game, you know, said that he had flitched flinched or twitched both times on those those late um um false start calls mm. on him and both and then he went to the locker room and I don't know whether it was to like get something to calm him down or but my first thought was it was an injury and he he had been kind of like trying to loosen his shoulders yeah, right. before he made made the snap but he said no after the game that that he had he had got got them both wrong the noise and, and all that stuff but the weird thing is that there it was such a slight movement and they called it. And meanwhile, you had um, um, you had the the right Driscoll, the right tackle filling in for you know, Johnson, who was he was a yard and a half back in motion when one play was snapped. And again, I think it's the it was the crowd noise missing, you know, missing the snap. They went silent snap after a while. You have all the time. Buffalo does it all the time. The right guard signals the blocking and tells the center when he can snap, gives the center an advantage of just being able to concentrate on making sure he knows where the quarterback is on, on the shotgun snap. But that guy's arm will be in motion even as the ball's being snapped. He's putting yeah. it back, you know? And I don't understand why that, you know, why some motions are okay and other, other motions aren't. And, yeah. and they say, oh, it's because they're set. Well, they're, they're set in the other situation too. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those incongruities. You know, there were a couple of times you saw them in empty backfield and it looked like they had 10 men on the line of scrimmage, basically, because nobody seems to bother. The tackles are further back than the flankers. So, mm -hmm. so it's like the three receivers are in a straight line on the line of scrimmage and the tackle is in the slot. But that's, you know, they, someone, they else, let... someone else got, I was thinking, what the other game someone got called for it not having enough 
yeah, enough I, I missed that, but, yeah it was it might have even been in the but i mean it could happen more often um, yeah. i won't i'll go into my major referent oh, later, okay. right, later on that. Yeah. as indeed i'm sure the gang at home do as well hey um but on one the of them bills. came one of them came from that game as well okay on the bills you look at their running now they've got kansas and dallas and miami it's brutal right so i guess glass glass off empty you're thinking uh, okay stick a fork in it but glass off full they're going to take a lot of positives, particularly from how the offense played in that game. Oh yeah, no, I mean I think it's a, it's a it's a real shame because they they played well. Um, the team played well. The defense played played well too. Uh, and and you know you hate to harp on injuries inside, but they they really still have a problem stopping the run because they don't. Mm. You know, Dequan Jones was such a big part of that. But you know you, you had to come out of that thinking thinking they were in a position to win for sure. Yeah. Um, they played well enough to win against what is the you know the best record in the league. And at this after Thanksgiving, you are what your record says you are, in Bill Parcell's famous words. Um, so I think I think it's gonna be unrealistic of them to expect to win the next three games. Mm. But you know, if they win two, they're probably in a good position. Um, to wild card, it's just that most of their competition in the a- in the AFC is playing much easier schedules. Easier. Well, we'll get into that wild card race because that is it's fascinating. Both conferences actually, but um, particularly I think in the in, in the AFC, if the Bills don't make it, Mike, are they one of the most talented rosters in recent memory not to make the playoffs? The Bills are an interesting situation because I think in some senses we overvalue their talent. Um, I think that. Allen has made them look both better and worse than they are at, at various times because he is so much the, the focus of, of their offense. Um, I think their offensive line benefits from that more than they, I think it's a, it's a decent offensive line, but not a good one, you know, not a very good one. Um, so I think their defense. Again, but just on looked, your point like, about Allen, because sorry, if I could just jump in, yeah. comparing that to, Hurts, right? Because we've just said that Hurts. If you look at Hurts's box score, and I know that's always can well, not always, but often can be misleading, right? But he was 18 of 31 for 200 yards. But of course, he threw three touchdowns, ran for two. He had 65 on the ground. He had the walk-off, uh, walk-off in overtime as well. Had an interception that, that you called earlier on. So quite clearly, he is a player that drives this Eagles offense, even if there are uh, inconsistencies and errors in, in there. So how does that compare his role with the Eagles to Allen with the Bills. Yeah, um that's a good that's a really good point and and I would say that the biggest the biggest difference is that Allen when they incorporate the running game into it is a more explosive potential runner than than Hertz is. Um he's harder a bit harder to bring down obviously. Uh, which makes, you know, he escapes pass rush a lot because the first guy can't bring him down because he's so big and he's got, got quickness. Um, Hertz is incredibly strong, but, but they don't, they don't, they don't structure their offense around Hertz's production. They, they, they structured around Hertz as being able to read the game, I think, or to read the plays within, within the game. And they like to keep those options open, you know, and mm. I mean, no, no disrespect to Stefan Diggs or, or Gabe, but you know, they don't have, and AJ Brown. Um, and you could argue that Devonta Smith may be, you know, at least as good as as Diggs or, or Davis. And when yeah. Goddard's there, they've got a good tight end. Um, and Knox, of course, is out for Buffalo. And then I was going to say defensively, Buffalo's still they're undersized 
they really need the big man inside. If you think back to the Carolina defenses that um, that McDermott coached there under Ron Rivera, they had two really good inside tackles, and they had Julius Peppers as, at, one, at one end. And, and I'm trying to remember. I know who the other guy is, and I can't re- recall his name. But uh, Addison um, – but he he was not a, a stone pass rusher. He was a good, almost a 3-4 kind of end. And then they had two really quick linebackers behind. Peakley, who was a tackling machine, and and, Tom, and um, Davis. Um, what? Davis. Jones. Thomas Jones. Oh, Thomas Jones, sure. Yeah. 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 And then Shaq, Tom, you know, um, who was the same, basically, but was a converted safety. So the, the difference between that and Buffalo, especially without Daquan Jones, is they don't have that really – um, dominant inside. Oliver is more of a move tackle. Um, and therefore that makes it a little bit harder. They don't have an exceptional end like Julius Peppers, which would help anybody, obviously. Sure. Um, you know, which is why they went and got Von Miller, you know, to to be a pass rusher, um, pass rushing kind of end. So yeah, I, I think we somewhat Milano's a great player, but they don't have a key, he's kind of a Keekley, but he's not as big as Keekley as Keekley was. Um and so I think I think there there's somewhat you know I was one of the people who thought this would be their year you know on paper it looked like they were they were all set all set to challenge and and um, unfortunately that you know you can deal sort of with one injury at a time but when they come all at the same time it yeah. it makes it hard to to do those do those adjustments I, I look at Miami and Jalen Phillips is out now mm-hmm. um, you know it's not the worst loss they could have but it's going to require some adjustment but at least it's you know if if they had lost Jalen Phillips um, and Christian Watkins at the same time that would be the same kind of situation and Ramsey as well Chuck Ramsey in the mix yeah because yeah. they they yeah three, Chuck, Chuck Ramsey Chuck Ramsey no no he's the backup <laughs> uh, backup tight end for the uh, Falcon um, okay. I've got a question for the Passion mailbag oh okay you're not allowed to win the 25 quid tab uh, like okay. okay but given that last week you didn't talk West Ham in um into signing darnell white after he yeah, scored he after he scored on that safety uh yeah. kicked that one through how about zay flowers this week did you see his touchdown celebration zay where he, he kicked the penalty he kicked the penalty basically <laughs> i go there it is, is that's going to sign him for west he's, he's injured we got andrews as well let's go to ravens next because they're the number one in the seed in the afc of course an ugly win over the charge but that's what that's what that's what playing the Chargers is all about. <laughs> right, that too. Um, Charger, Charger Rama. This was an interesting number, courtesy of uh, NFL stats and info. Lamar is now uh, five thousand career rushing yards. Right, he reached right. that on Sunday against the Chargers in his eighty-fourth game. There are three other quarterbacks in the modern NFL that have rushed for five thousand yards in their career. Can you name them, Mike? In their career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Douglas. No, no, mod- oh, this is modern era NFL. I think well, Bobby Douglas is fairly modern. How modern is modern? Well, uh, in the last. <laughs> well, okay, well, Michael Vick. Yeah, Vic. Michael Vick is one. The Randall Cunningham. Yeah, no, no. No. Vick is um, one. One's so Vic playing can... right now, and one is mm, has been playing up until very recently. Oh, oh. Um, do, 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 do. Um, Josh Allen's not up to 5,000, no. is he? No. Russell Wilson. Oh. Oh, Russell Wilson. And Cam I would, was the other. It would have taken out Cam. I would have yeah. got eventually. Cam, yeah. Russell it's, Wilson. I wouldn't have. Uh, they all took over a hundred games to reach that. Jackson's done eighty-four career games. Yeah, Jackson's um, much more like or the, like Allen than Hurts. Mm. 
that mm-hmm. put it that way in, yeah, in yeah. terms of what he can do. But the way Baltimore use him is more like Hurts. Um in the sense of of they want when their running game is working now, they're working with three backs. They're not running Jackson as as their prime runner as they did in the um you Greg know, Roman era. In so, the Greg Roman yeah. era. So it's these days now that's an issue. Yeah, that's that's the which main. opens up the passing a bit more. And yeah. they they went out, they finally, you know, they finally got a sort of over the middle passing offense going even Bateman's getting involved now which yeah. you know yeah. which is about about time I say because he's one of those guys I pumped up big coming out of college and he's, yeah he's underachieved in his first couple of years it's probably that pressure Mike to be honest you probably heard tape of you big when, they, when they hear you know <laughs> you're an iron Mike underachiever club yeah <laughs> it's like, I'm the I want, president I want actually I'm the president that. I'm the president <laughs> of the under iron Mike underachiever VP. club I want to be the VP sons of anarchy style I'll be the sergeant at arms um we talked about St. Flowers' injury. Beckham is banged up as well. Andrews as well. So we've got to keep an eye on that. Baltimore carrying knocks. And every team does, to your point. It's the ones that get a chunk of them at the same time. And it looks like well, Baltimore have right now. Got to keep an eye on uh, in the run and teams that are picking up these key injuries because those are three fundamentally important players for, for their offense. With the Chargers, yeah. is, is it the end of the road for Staley, do you think, now? Is it any way back? I've been thinking that since last year. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, I don't know what they're what they're going to do. Um, you know, whether they will fire him and who they would appoint. As I said, I wouldn't fire him at the moment because that would mean Kellen Moore would probably become the interim head coach, mm. um, which I think would probably be a mistake. In the same sense that I, I thought that that. Um, Washington might fire Rivera and make the enemy the interim head coach to see whether he had the head coaching stuff. But I think that probably would be a mistake at this point, too, because I just can't see any huge offense. It's not like the offense is great and, and the defense is bad or Rivera is taking them out of games. I think I think it's going to be a whole a whole changeover at the Overhaul. end of the season. So why get rid yeah. of Del Rio then? Um, well, that that's in a sense scapegoating. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I mean, that's that's what you have to do. Your defense is letting you down. I think your offense is kind of letting you down too. But there's more excuses when you have Sam Howell at quarterback, say. Um, but you know, they, I mean, the enemy's leaving him out to get killed, mm. basically. You know, it, it's um, and he's he's a tough kid, uh, you know, to, to get to get through as as he's got through. But do you think he's legit? Because you know, we talked to uh, me and Propo were talking about the craziness of him at least a couple of weeks back being the passing leader in terms of total yards in the league this season, at, clearly in a difficult situation, as you've just pointed out, I mean, particularly for him, but also collectively for for Washington as a as an indifferent franchise at best this season, indifferent team this season. We're clear on certain younger quarterbacks. Yeah, they're going to be fine for years and years. Sam Howell, jury's still out. What's your, what's Iron Mike's take on Sam Howell? Well, if you looked at him in college, his junior year, he played really well. He had some good skill position players with him, but they were, they were I, you know, it's hard hard to say overwhelmed, but they were usually outmanned in, in games in the ACC. So he was always under a lot of pressure and he was very creative. In the second year, they were really outmanned and he didn't have the skill. And that's kind of what he's gone into in Washington was, was this thing where it's as if he's supposed to try to conjure plays, the Gardner Minshew effect. He's supposed to kind of Mm. conjure plays out of nothing. And if you want a comparison for him, I think he's a bigger 
Gardner Minshew with a stronger arm, you know, and probably more suited to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think you what you need is to be able to put a system together so he can show, you know, he can do what's he can do what's expected in the NFL. Um, he's not good enough to be a uh, you know, playground style Kyler Murray kind of court quarterback. Um, he doesn't have that that kind of uh, uh, open open field talent. So, I mean, the problem for Washington above everything is the offensive line. Mm. You know, and the, the the biggest reason why Del Rio's firing was a little surprising was that they had got rid of Sweat and Young, yeah. but. They with Sweat and Young, they hadn't played all that well on defense anyway. You know, they they'd given up. I, I went and looked. They'd given up thirty points or more in four of their seven games. Mm. Um, that's not you know that's not a powerhouse defense. Um, well, so if of, you lose those of, guys and you start giving up thirty points, it's what's the what difference? Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of powerhouse defenses, let's move on to the Chiefs because you've been talking up just how effective their defense has been this season impressive it's been this season didn't look like it the first 10 minutes of the game against the raiders who were just cutting through them like butter i thought here we go the yeah, Antonio it, Pierce. It, it was as if it was it was as if andy reed said look everybody says we we can't score in the second half and it's our defense in 20 games Fuck him, we're gonna prove him wrong. <laughs> what can <laughs> yeah. what can we do? What can we do? <laughs> what can we do to liven things up? Yeah. Um and sure enough, you know, they they were tied at the half, right? Yeah. Uh 14-14. And um they played a great second half off offensively. They still played well defensively. Um Although, yeah, you know, they adjusted. I mean, this is the this, this Spags yeah. MO, right? They adjusted. Spags is having a, a tremendous season, you know, de- yeah. defensively. And Jones, I think that may be the best game I've seen from Jones mm. in a while because we saw a lot of the game um, as yeah. well. But, you know, it was funny because I was watching Jalen Carter. And then as Jalen Carter got up from one great play, you know, I thought, God, when he gets up, he looks just like Chris Jones. And, you know, he's a little bit shorter than Chris Jones, but they're basically that same kind of kind of body type you know? we didn't Help. talk about carter's play last week mm. when he almost intercepted a spike it was one of the plays of the season carter he he, he goes under the center's legs like the kind of like a seal or a sea lion you know sliding yeah, on yeah, the ice yeah, yeah. and he slides through and as mahomes spikes it he's got his hands out yeah. and you know and mahomes missed missed him you know he, he missed it by but not by much you know yeah. you know if you combine the tush push with the, with the i don't know what you call it or the you know the the carter slide or the car you know that that could be an awesome combination the walrus, like the, um, yeah, i've yeah, never seen is, i've never seen uh, apparently someone did it in high school or somewhere somewhere and he might picked up on it from from the video of that but you know you know that that was amazing and um he's beginning that think, territory when deshaun watson fired the touchdown pass off his uh, fired it off his teammate's helmet, helmet right? yeah. <laughs> the, a cushion two cushion shot yeah, um yeah. and yeah. and i'm gonna bank this one in <laughs> actually um what what's his name uh, De, um jamar chase had two catches off deflections one of them was absolutely brilliant he had to come forward back to toward the line of scrimmage as the ball deflected up in the air and he took mm. it and there were two guys behind him and he dodged both of them and yeah, got yeah, a yeah, big, sure. big gain out of it. Um, but, but back on, onto the, um, uh, onto the, um, the Philly thing, I thought the biggest positive I saw in that second half was that Rice mm. might well be stepping forward. It was, they literally designed a 49ers type 
you know, Shanahan type play where he came all the way across the formation with everything going in the opposite direction just to get him that step. Mm. You know, and if, if they can get him involved, because that's they desperately need a wide receiver who can be at least a, like a two. Yeah, know? right. Yeah. Because it's the curious thing. They've got about 17 threes and <laughs> one or two. But yeah, Rice had a big game and you've been singing uh, his praises for a while. Kelsey was right to think of it as well. And he picked up just shy of a ton too. So yeah, things things looking good for the Chiefs. They're the two seed then in the West at eight and three. The Raiders dropped to five and seven now with that loss. So let's look at that actually down the other end of the playoff picture, Mike, because pretty much this is where we need that graphic. You know, if the season were to end today, right now, <laughs> uh, I've been trying to get my head around it uh, in the last hour or so. That five and seven, I think, is slim to non-playoff hopes for the Raiders specifically because slim to George Pickens slim to George Pickens had a big catch yesterday hey the Steelers things are looking up for them yeah and they've got an easy they've got an easy they've got an easy run in too yeah well let's look at that let's try to work it out right so you got um Denver six and five Houston six and five Buffalo a six and six and I guess Cincy uh, maybe five and six, yeah. five and six. Maybe you can, they're just about breathing, but the line just below Miami. So if you draw that a firm line below Miami, everybody above there is, is is locked in. The Steelers, the Browns, both seven and four, and then the Colts, six and five. Right. Um, yeah. So why don't we start with Denver? So Denver, one of those six and five teams, because they're the most improved team in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. And the defense, as we talked about on last week's show really stepping up and once again did it did it again this weekend but the offense i think is where there's further cause for optimism right because they they ran on this strong browns d and wilson is just looking more and more like the old wilson every single week yeah and the the one thing the other thing they did was was reduce the pass rush you know and and garrett didn't have a great game you know garrett wasn't the kind of factor he's been in most of the the um, Cleveland games. I, I was wondering whether PJ Walker would have been a better choice. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things. Do you go? Do you, do you go with the young guy who's probably your future quarterback? But if you're Cleveland, he's not your future quarterback. At least not for the next two years, because you can't afford for him to be your future quarterback. So do you go with the guy who maybe gives you a little bit better chance of winning, um, which is which is PJ Walker? I guess um, they might have to because um, because of concussion protocol, right? Walker might start next week. Yeah, um, but I, I was thinking he probably. I didn't see enough from Thompson Robinson last week, even though he played pretty well. Yeah. You know, to to think that you might you might want to go with him, but I understood the reasons why. I mean, you couldn't expect Troutman to have. Two 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 TD cut catches. Although, you know, it's like these guys who follow Sean Payton around; they all have their moments, their moments in the sun uh, sooner or later. And well, well, um, you know, you're, we're forgetting here, of course, is Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco time soon. I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. You know, and um, as as I keep saying, Flacco is the master of the greatest play in the NFL, which is the underthrown deep pass. Sure. Um, but we saw one. We saw one. I'm trying to think of who it was, but you know where the catch was made. You know on the underthrow because again, when the guy's chasing you and he's he's facing you and not looking back for the ball when you come forward, if he doesn't yeah. get in your way, you've still got the better chance of catching it because he has no idea where sure. where the ball is and his only choice if he's you know if you're still be in front of him or behind him depending on which way you're facing mm-hmm. is, is that you know he's got to paw you 
<laughs> when he sees your arms go up, he starts pawing your arms or putting his fa- hands in your face so you can't mm-hmm. see. Yeah, or, no, or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, the wild card, if this is a lump, the NFL season this year is a lump. It's not, it's not like a, a stretched out, you know, uh, um, what do you call it? What do you call it? A panorama or of, of teams, you know, along, along from, from strongest to weakest. It's like a few strong teams in one small lump and then a big lump of mediocrity. And then a few teams at the end, like, like the Patriots and the, the Cardinals and the Panthers and, you know, the, uh, who are going to be fighting for the, the first couple of draft picks. But you know that really it really is an amorphous kind of quicksand in mm-hmm. in in the middle and week to week everything everything changes you know I mean and and you have these weird things I think Kel, Kelsey Jason Kelsey said it about you know the two arguably top teams in the league and the Jets have beaten both of them you know it's like yeah, yeah sure huh? of course the week one. yeah that's so true <laughs> I didn't consider that hey, but it is it's such a great point you make Mike because you look at the I mean. I'm picking this. This okay. So the Steelers post Matt Canada, as as we alluded to, had more offense than before. They were 400 yards offense to be precise, but there's still yeah. obvious, significant questions about the validity of that. Setting setting the bar somewhat lower there, but yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, they're seven and four. The Browns. We've talked about their quarterback issues. Huge problem for them in the running. So the Colts and the Steelers. I mean, the Colts with Minshew six and five. This, I mean, the Bills, despite the running we talked about, they're still Houston six and Houston six and five. Houston six and and five Houston's well. now a tough out. I don't think a lot of teams are going to want, you know, yeah, are, are going to, you know, if if they had a little more pass rush, they might have been in a better chance about Jacksonville. But I know they you have a lot of you have it's you have a, a um, lot of protection. Yes, yeah. they were really handling handling the Jags pass rush well. I thought you you have a question in the mailbag. I think about Jacksonville. Um, Ooh, we do. I think I saw it this morning. I was looking up the Texans schedule as you threw. Uh, I was just looking at the Steelers schedule, and here we go. Arizona at home, New England at home on Thursday, mm. at the Colts, Cincinnati at home, and then Seattle and at Seattle and at Baltimore. So they've got a tough two. The last two games are tough. But, you know, if they don't win three of the four before that, I would be surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let me find this question. Where are we? Okay, we're opening up, opening up the Passion Cavity mailbag. You said it was a Jacksonville question, I might. It was a Jacksonville question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, here we go. We got it from Paul. Uh, hey, Paul. How far can Jacksonville go this season? Another win. They got eight and three. And of those losses, two were to the Chiefs and the 49ers. Are they serious contenders? I think they are, Mike. Yeah, I, I think so too. But I mean, the question answers itself in a sense. Their losses were to the Chiefs and the 49ers. Mm. Um, I don't think they're at that level. Yeah, you know, they're at that level. It's, although the two factors with Jacksonville and and they didn't have um they 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 held well, Houston had 21, right? Um so their defense has been very good this season, and people haven't really noticed that. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I get. I guess Josh Allen got some attention. And he's got up to like twelve and a half sacks now. Yeah, I mean, he was the one that was having a bit of you know. But o- but, but overall, them. overall, they're playing very solid defense, and they're they're keeping. And the offense, it's been bad at home until last week, mm. but they've been good on the road. It was again they protected. 
Trevor Lawrence pretty well. And they should have put it to and, bed. I mean, that curious. What do you think of the call they made just before halftime, the goal to go call when it was, it was, um, it was, Doug, it was a Doug Peterson call. Yeah. I remember at halftime of the Super Bowl against, against the, um, against the Patriots, you know, and, and uh, I think it was Jason said, you know, I'll kick the field goal now. And I said, oh, no chance. Yeah. <laughs> this is Doug Peterson, you know. It's like, and then they ran the, the, the Philly, spe- the spe- Philly they special. They ran a Philly special, yeah, yeah. On that one. But, um, um, this was less but, effective than the Philly special. But um, yeah, it, it was. And, you know, and and if it were me, if I were the coach, I would have taken the field goal. But I enjoyed, I mean, I understood Doug Peterson's, you know, they were balling and they had momentum. And now Houston had all the momentum, except the only place they could use it was in the locker room at that time. So, <laughs> sure. so there, but, so there you go. Why not go but, with a sneak with the long they, sneak? There? It, it was a bit effective. Before, a bit effective before. It was a long. It would have been a long sneak. It was funny because when when I looked at where he went out, I thought it was very closer, very much closer to two yards. But when the ball was spotted, it was literally inside the one, mm. um, which I I didn't understand. But he's got a lot of weapons. Doug Peterson and they're starting, well, not start. They have, but they they really can utilize them pretty well, mm. especially when they don't try to get too fancy. Um, and this was the game to me where Calvin Ridley sort of steps up, says, "Oh, you want a number one receiver? I'm, I'm your number one receiver." Um, you know, they go to him for the touchdown and and the two point conversion on basically the same play, um, a little little more um, uh, decoration on the second. The second time, but you know, ATN ATN's a weapon, and they're yeah. they're using they're using him as such, uh, and so you know, their often offensive line is their big problem. I think, and what they'll have, what where they'll have the problems is when they run into the top, the Philadelphia's and San Francisco's, whose strength is their defensive line. You know, who can generate some get generate pass rush and put that kind of that kind of pressure on you. And Cam um, Roberts picked up an injury in the game yesterday. Yeah, and well. I think again, we saw in the Buffalo game in London, you know, they were lucky. Um, they dominated Atlanta. The game didn't look like it, but they were never really in danger against Atlanta. Mm. Um, but against against Buffalo, the injuries killed Buffalo um in that game, or or I think it probably would have been would have been a close game at the end. Yeah. And I think, you know, the last, last night against the Texans, I mean, I watched the whole game, obviously, broadcasting it, and they had the Ridley drop, you know, flip a coin and that goal to go before our time goes in. I and mean, they could have easily won that game by 14, 17 points, and we'd be talking a slightly yeah. different narrative there. So, yeah. yeah, I think they are they are legit. All right, let's talk, let's talk NFC, Mike. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Let's start with the bubble, the, the wildcard bubble, because that's that's also interesting. You've got the NFC South scrap, right? Which so the Falcons. <laughs> both yeah, the it, there's a very good chance the team that wins the South will have a losing record. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we've seen, we've seen that in the past as well. Yeah, back in the day, the Falcons currently have that. Um, the fourth spot um, <laughs> have that losing record. Yeah, that losing record and and the fourth seed, the Saints. Well, well yeah, the they're Saints on um, after that after that yeah they're um it's only a it's only a a tiebreaker with with new orleans right and then tampa's a game is a game behind yeah one game behind them 
Yeah, so that's a three-way shootout, but presumably one of them is going to make the one of the Souths going to make the playoffs, right? So well, they have to. That opens up. Yeah, <laughs> one makes the playoffs, and the other goes to the one. the other goes to the Chick Fil A Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, the Vikes play tonight. Obviously, the Hawks are six and five. Um, the Packers and the Rams are in it as well. The Rams are interesting. What What do you think the number is going to be? Nine and eight. For a wild card. The Rams? Well, for any oh, oh, what the number for the, the wild card yeah. will be. Um, God, I haven't I haven't stopped to figure that out. But I think nine and eight might nine be. Nine and enough. eight sounds reasonable. Yeah. Um the Packers when, have got a really relatively straightforward run-in. Yeah. The Chiefs notwithstanding, the rest of their run-in is pr- out of all of them is probably the most on paper, most straightforward. Uh, but, yeah, and they're they're playing well. Mm. You know, not. I don't think as. I think they. It's hard to say how much Detroit lost that game as opposed to the Packers winning it. Um, you know, because the the two fumbles were so crucial, and one of them I, I was convinced wasn't a fumble. To me, it was a incomplete, an incomplete pass. But I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from them on this. But they're they're at five and six. Right. And and yep. Seattle's at six and five. Yeah. The Rams were at five and six. I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of their competition there. Yeah. Um, and the Rams, Min- I mean Minnesota's six and five. And play tonight. The Rams have got tonight. but the Rams are in the mix, right? So out of that chasing pack, I mean well, and the Rams tend to beat Seattle. Yeah. And the, the, the Hawks have got a, a monstrous run in as well. They've got a really tough run in out, out of all of them. The Rams have got. I reckon the Rams could win four of their last six. Looking at it, the way that the way that they the way I know it was I know it was Arizona, but the way they played, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. The what well, about the, the Saints? I'm just the looking. Saints I'm just looking now at the. They've got Cleveland at home, at Baltimore, Washington and New Orleans at home, at the Giants and at San Francisco. Yeah, and that's last week of the season. 49ers, right? So yeah. That could, so that could that could be a game where they. The, yeah. the Niners are arresting people. So I would say at that, you know, saying that they would be four and one in the, in the five games before San Francisco is not unreasonable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. it's not likely because they're not that good a team. But, but you know, turn it on. I mean, they've got they, well in a world in a world without D'Amico Ryan's. I think Sean McVay would be a very good choice yeah. as coach of the year. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't. They're not that talented a team. You know, they're, they're young, overall. They? It's just really. Yeah, young. their overall talent level is not. You know, not that high. You mm. could argue New England's is higher, except you know, even even on paper, the offensive lines. You know, it's um, it, it's amazing. And he's won mostly mostly with Stafford. You know, but he's. They're not. They haven't been yeah. afraid w- without him. I, I think it's been a good coaching job from him, um, and it's and, reassuring to see as well because this is something Greg and I were getting into because Greg sees a lot of the Rams and, of course, you know where he lives and, and and takes his kids to the Rams and there was very real talk of him walking away, McVeigh walking away from the game, which was which was head scratching given his age, but it feels like this has really galvanized him and really re-energized him and, and feels like yeah. he'll go again with the Rams. I think yeah. the side going forward. Kind of I, th- I think that's a good, that's a good point. And, and it's a telling one because in our, in our game nowadays, people look at it as, well, you know, I want to win. I want to go and play for a contender. You know, I'm a free agent. I'm going to sign with a team that gives me a chance for a ring or, you know, I want to coach a team that's loaded and put them over the top and that kind of thing. 
but you just get the sense he's a coach. He wants a challenge, you know, and and um, and he, he seems to thrive off that. You know, he's just as energized on the sidelines as his players are. Yeah. Um, and 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 that you know that to me is 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 really good to see. Uh, I you know got to, you have to give him a lot of credit for that. Now the other thing, of course, is that all these wild card teams, someone might get hot, someone might get into really good form, and yeah. you know take advantage of an off day and get that surprise win. But you know, like I said, in the in the NFC, for example, you know Philadelphia, San Francisco, Dallas, and Detroit. Detroit is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Dallas is vulnerable. Dallas is, and Miami suffer from the same syndrome, yeah, which is that yeah, basically yeah. they beat they beaten up on bad teams. Dallas really beats up on bad teams. Apart from Denver, Miami beats bad teams, but hasn't really beaten up on, on them. Mm. And Denver's not a bad team anymore. And Simon Clancy said a very interesting thing was, you know, poetic justice would be for Miami to play Denver in the first round of the playoffs. Um, you know, which would be very interesting, actually, a, a rematch. Of that, oh God, of that's that just game. giving me the giving me the shivers there. Oh, that's just the cause that's going to happen now. Hey, did you see um Shaq Leonard visiting the Cowboys? That would be an interesting acquisition. He was in the stands in Indy in Indy um, for the yeah. game yeah. yesterday. So yeah, it, it he would be a Cowboy kind of pickup, you know. Mm. Um, but he isn't, you know, he isn't the same the same guy he was. I don't. They'd have to get him a new contract, I assume, because, or well, he doesn't have that much left on the contract for this year. Mm. Um, so yeah, that would be a very uh, cowboy pickup, kind of in the way that I'm sure Jerry Jones tried to pick up Dolly Parton after the. Um, oh, do you see the, after the, the game in Dallas? I was watching it back because obviously it was at the bottom. We were at the bar, and I was watching it back and and showing the misses actually. And the bit I'd missed in real time at the bar was that the pre-recorded 60 second saccharity bit with Jerry, with Jerry and go before they, before, Oh my God. What were yeah. you on Dolly's, um, Dolly's performance? Well, if Dolly, if that, if, Dolly, if Dolly wants to do that and she can do it, that's fine. That's fine with me. The best memes that were going around were all the same, were all the same thing. It was like, Oh, is that one of the Cowboys cheerleaders from the last time they won the Super Bowl? <laughs> which I thought was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. But I, I just couldn't see how Jerry, you know, Jerry's what, 81 and Dolly's 77. I just couldn't yeah. see how Jerry could, could resist, you know? Well, yeah, it was I like, mean, he, Dolly. he had, he had to be the happiest person in the Jerry dome, you know? Oh yeah. Dolly and uh, Dolly in a cheerleaders outfit versus Jerry Jones, the equivalent of that at similar yeah. ages. Jerry in his Baywatch, Baywatch red That's right. I, I said to someone, someone said something about that. And I said, well, Jerry Jones, uh, you know, what's, what's she doing at 77 dressing like that? I said, Jerry Jones, 81, he still dresses like Jerry Jones. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely let her dress how she was. A ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, okay, I mean, I remember when I was young and the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders were out there and it was, you know, this is America's team and it's Cowboy Cheerleaders movie and all this kind of and yeah. I'm thinking, isn't it just, you know, it's it's a great go-go boot hot pants tease, you know. There's nothing vaguely sexual about it. <laughs> but to but to the middle of America, this is the this is hot <laughs> stuff, baby. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the, yeah, the 48 hours in Vegas when everything goes horribly wrong when you come from from middle america and blow it all in blow it all in one week the college tuition in one weekend um now 25 pounds bar tab passiunk is not comparable to a college tuition but it's a decent decent price. it is it is and i think we should go and get a couple that. more of them in there yeah, a couple more contenders a little bit more i like this one because this will get us thinking because we've already tested our brains trying to unpick this this playoff picture the wildcard picture in both conferences what about the coaching 
carousel and we talked a bit about Staley. Let's look at some of the other possible opportunities in light of this question from Cormac McNulty. Thanks for this, Cormac. At the NC show, by the way, is how you get in touch with uh, with the yeah, the show. In the 2024 20, off season, is it looking like the biggest coaching change up in memory? Likely teams to make a move. Oh, this is brilliant. Mike, he's done the work for us. <laughs> Likely <move laughs> to make a move include the Raiders, the Panthers. Ooh, I don't know. Panthers? Uh, the Chargers, we think. The Patriots. The Bears and the Commanders. I mean, I think he's spot on. I'd maybe put the Titans. He well, has- that wouldn't be that. That wouldn't be anywhere near the biggest. And I mean, you apart from last year, I think you'll find seven or eight for most of the seasons before yeah. that. You know, but now um, we're getting changes mid-season as well. That so that's a relatively new occurrence, right? Normally, teams would wait no. Until- well, there, there's always not always, but there's been one or two. You know, interim coaches um, and. I mean, you had last year, you had rule going. Yeah, yeah, sure. You for had example. a um, Carolina is an, a lot of those are very interesting dynamics. And I know you had a Carolina question in there as well. Um, I even scoured about, I, we did, well, yeah. yeah. Who's the we, we, were, we were a little late start, so I had a chance James, to read um, and see. We actually did some prep for the show this week. <laughs> James Gregory, uh, who's the most to blame for the Panthers this season? The owner, GM coach, or quarterback? And what would you do to fix it? Yeah, that's that to me is really interesting uh, because everybody was talking about Tepper and being a big hedge fund guy and smart and all that kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, oh, you've done something wrong. <laughs> you know, we, you can't strip the assets from the team and then walk away. Sure. You know, it's like um, I don't know where the decisions were, but I remember saying at draft time, you know, when they when they took when they took Bryce Young, mm-hmm. I, I said, given the way Frank Reich's offenses have been and the quarterbacks he's had, I would have thought that C.J. Stroud was a better choice for him, mm-hmm. even though he didn't play under center at all at Ohio State. And and then Young would have gone to Houston, presumably. Yeah, yeah. Now, look how that's worked out. Um, I don't think Reich has been terribly effective working in this kind of limited talent situation. Mm. Uh, been better. I mean, uh, the, the, I don't know if Stroud would have made a difference on that because, because I'm not sure he, that he would have been in as what would you call it as um, developmental a situation. It's very hard for any rookie quarterback, you know, who goes into a bad team. And most of the really good ones go in by definition to bad teams because they go in early picks. Um, But Houston was smart enough to build, some sort of structure around him, which he's grown into in the last three, four weeks, you know, and Tank Dell has stepped up and, mm-hmm. and gotten acclimated to, to Houston's, um, you know, you can't say the talent level is huge at Houston. Their best receiver is Nico Collins mm-hmm. or, or maybe Tank Dell, you know, now, but, but, um, but I think that makes a difference. So I think Tepper is going to have to consider it carefully if this is the way to go forward, mm-hmm. you know, because again, the big decision there was the trade to get Bryce Young. You know, is Reich the guy for Bryce Young? I don't know. And, it you know, it hasn't looked that way. But they gave up draft capital, like, uh, I'll go-go, you know, plus plus DJ Moore, who, you know, has been the best player in the yeah, last couple yeah, yeah. of weeks. Well, what about, speaking of the Bears, what about them? So the Bears, Commanders, the Commanders most, the Commanders charges most likely. Commanders, I think, Rivera's gone at the end of the year. And yeah. I think that was probably the plan. He would have had to do a lot. 
yeah. to avoid that. I think the new owners came in and they said, well, we're not going to rush to judgment. We're going to see what what they do this year and how they do it. And I, mm. so I think that I think that's been their plan. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I have no doubt he's going he's going to be gone. Bears is another interesting question. You know, do they do they give this group another year, Matt Eberflus and company with with Justin Fields to try to, you know, to try to work that out? Can you blame just the offense and, you know, maybe keep Eberflus as the head coach? I think but, it, that's one of those situations where the next four or five weeks will be hugely significant. I think if they can compete, they can pick up a number of wins. Fields looks legit. That might be enough for a stay of execution. I think if they just... Yeah. The Raiders, the, the Raiders are another interesting situation because I'm not sure they'll be able to win enough to keep Pierce in the job automatically. Mm. You know, and and the thing with I'd interim coaches is is you, is you off. It would be fun, yeah. But interim coaches, coaches, you often get that, that boost, the, the kind of kick the team up the butt boost. You know, yeah. or or in this case, everybody's so relieved that Josh <laughs> is gone. You know that that. Um, that there's you know that that there's that instant boost, but the boost doesn't last. Sure, um, I I'm impressed that they you know they're playing better with O'Connell. Yeah, than McDaniel's could do. McDaniel's can could do. Manage, you yeah, know? the, the yeah. offensive good um, he is, and that that's a that's kind of a, a good thing. There might be a move to to just get an offensive coordinator, but I get yeah. the feeling that Mark Davis is going to want to do something something a bit bigger mm-hmm. um, th- than that. And, Belichick and New England, to the Raiders, New, New England, yeah, Belichick to the Raiders. See, that's the interesting thing is that the only teams you might think of who might be willing to bring in. An, an old head coach, you know, as Marv Levy said, when he quit at 71, then he wanted to come back. He was about to turn 74. No one's going to hire a 74 year old head coach, but, but, um, You'd be president, the, just the head Raiders, coach, right? the Raiders could be one. Washington's interesting because if the new management dismantles the front office as well, but I don't think they will. I get the feeling that, that the, the, the trades, the trades of Young and Sweat were part of the of they of the management and the front office working in tandem. You know, we're building for the future now. Uh, you compromise was, was, on that at all and go into. I don't think so. You know, I can't see him compromising. Um, and as we said, I, I've said with you a couple of times this year, I think Belichick, the Belichick, the general manager, is the biggest problem with Belichick, yeah. the coach. Although yeah. in the last couple of weeks, Belichick, the coach, has really looked like a crusty old George Hallis trying to do things as if it were 1954 yeah. and, um, you know, or in Hal's case, 1934. And, uh, you know, it not, it's not working. You know, when they, they, they punted it from their own, from the 39, mm. if, if I'm not mistaken, inside the 40, they punted on a fourth and very short. And I'm just thinking, you know, you need to win this game. You know, you're playing and it's not, you know, it's not like you're playing, you're not for Philadelphia, you're playing the giants. You know, here's your. They're not going to come back and pump pump a quick touchdown on you because your yeah. defense is playing well. I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. And but I, I do quite know, I and, like quite like that fact he's doing that in a world now where it, I think it swung too far the other way and there are too many too yeah, many. Yeah, agree agree. But this was and you know and I understand their play calling is horrible. I mean, I, you know, I, I sit there at home going, okay, you know, off tackle, <laughs> second first yeah. down, first down, screen pass, second down. Run off tackle, yeah. third and four. They're not going to run for it. They're going to pass, but they're not going to throw a pass more than three yards downfield. Um, <laughs> it's it's like it, it, it was in the conservative 
play calling. I understand that you're trying to make it easy for your quarterbacks who are not optimal, but you're only making it worse because not only are you limiting your offense, but you're killing their confidence if you don't trust them to throw the ball 12 yards downfield. You know, and you, well, know, you know, chat GPT, the basic version of it only takes you up to January. Is it January 22? I think it's said it tells you I can't I don't have any data to go beyond that. Do you think we'll find out in years to come that what's happened in New England this year is that Belichick is some kind of AI. They've replaced the real AI. Like they AI have an AI Bill Belichick. goes up to play calling from <laughs> that, up to 1993. That would, that, would be, that would be pretty. Well, I said it at one point a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know, he's chasing George Hallis is, is the yeah. next mark. And, and so he's decided he's going to beat George Hallis by playing like George Hallis. <laughs> sure. You know, although he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have Mike Pyle and guys like that on his, on his offensive line. <laughs> Um, when you said Chad, it reminded me of, of my, my big thing. One was in the, you know, you know, we're supposed to be trying to protect the players, right? And and there's all kinds of, shall we say, borderline, you know, unnecessary roughness calls. Or, you know, they're very quick to defend. But in the Philly game, you had the horse collar by mm-hmm. Hassan Reddick. Yeah. Right in front, right in the front blatant, of the referee. Yeah. And blatant, you know, I mean, he pulls him by the jersey and then he pulls him by the, yeah. by the, um, by the net. And and no call. And in the Patriots game, you had a good old fashioned clothesline by Cam Brown on a punt return by mm. Pop Douglas. I didn't see that. Okay. And you know, and he literally comes in, you know, like like uh, Stan the Lariat Hansen or any number of guys in WWF <laughs> or, or Japanese wrestling or whatever with the clothesline, full speed flying clothesline, and gets him chin and neck you know helmet and yeah, 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 so it's yeah. it's a helmet hit and yeah. the clothesline's not illegal like like the horse collar is mm. so you can clothesline a guy across the chest for mm. example but you can't contact the, the guy's yeah. head yeah. or neck you know above above the shoulders with your with your forearm or your yeah. the side of your you know and i just let and and there's an official right there. Yeah. You know, what are they? What are they looking at? I didn't at, see the Patriots you know? one, but the Reddick one. Reddick just had that look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> you can find it. You can that. find it. You can oh, find man. it on <laughs> on eight thousand nine hundred and seventy two <laughs> Patriots fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Video, yeah. Videos, but it, yeah. but it is pretty awful, and that that kind of thing that kind of thing kind of um, irritates me irritates me the set um, quite a bit. I also didn't like when what's his name Clay Martin. They they stop a play because of an administrative error. Oh yes, I quite like the fact he I admitted mean, that though. Yeah, as the comms said. <laughs> <laughs> when they they should march off fifteen yards against themselves. <laughs> so like, I, I, I don't, my favorite play of the week as well. I wanted to mention was Drew Sample, the, the tight end for. Cincinnati, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Who knocked over Wilcox? He he got the ball in the flat by the goal line, and his teammate was trying to line himself up for a block, kind of like a, a step in front of the goal line, and he just pushed, he just ran right into him in the back, <laughs> knocked him over. It's like it's like I'm not going to wait for you. Yeah, Get out of my on. way. I got my touch. My that's touch, the kind of thing you touchdown. do to me. I Mike, I think probably if, uh, yeah. And and um yeah, was was the Jets Hail Mary the most Jets justest play oh my of the NFL season? It, it might have been. It might I, have been. I can't understand. It was like he threw to an area where there didn't seem to be any Jets there. <laughs> they only had three receivers and there were about seven guys in the Even end if you excuse that, okay, let's let's roll, yeah. let's roll with it. I kind of like that if we're talking in, in, in you know the example we talked earlier about. Doug Peterson, I kind of like the 
Like, yeah, oh wait, yeah, let it fly. What what can happen? You know, there's only two what can happen bad? What bad can happen? Well, oh, God. <laughs> so what? there was nobody and none of the receivers appeared to chase the play out of the end zone. So it's left it's left to all the big beefs. That's reminded kind of, that's reminded me. What did he make? It was you just, know what it was like? You know what it reminded me of? When when the Dolphins beat the Patriots on the yeah, um, yeah, yeah. on the Razzle Dazzle, you know, yeah, when the yeah. Patriots the last line of defense for the Patriots was Gronk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're back. Because I think Tim Boyle was the last line of defense for the Jets on this one, and that wasn't going to end well. I wanted to ask you about the Deontay Johnson. Every, it's getting loads of attention, right? So yeah. uh, I think, is this wild overreaction? Because he kind of looks, he looks away. And I'm, I think there's an argument based on the camera angles I've seen that he generally doesn't see, he's kind of looked down and looks away. And thinks the play's been whistled dead and then doesn't realize what's going on until it's way too late. I think people might be piling on him a little bit too easily here. It's that's possible. Um, I didn't look at it uh, again to decide, but it, I think what they're going on is kind of his. Um, I'm trying to think of what the right word would be. His his lack of full enthusiasm with the with the Pittsburgh offense this yeah. season, yeah, you know, and and he's not he's obviously not the number one target, yeah. Um, they haven't, I don't think, used him as well as they could, um, and he's got a kind of legitimate gripe there. But there's a strange thing in Pittsburgh because three years ago, say we were all talking about how teams have problems finding receivers. The Patriots, for example, keep drafting guys who you know, who Nikhil, Harry and yeah. you know, guys like that and top in the first round or top of the second. And they, they wind up not being able to play, but Pittsburgh kept finding all, all these guys like Deontay Johnson and Claypool was a second round pick, but, you know, Antonio Brown and, you know, and going back a few years who were all mid round, you know, not second, third, fourth round, third and fourth rounds. They did really well. Um, you know, and, and then, they all seem to kind of get that disease of me, you know, and, yeah. and, and want to be the number one guy. Although with the Antonio Brown being the only possible exception, none of them were really number one guys. They You're were all kind of complimentary yeah. twos. Yeah. Um, very good receivers, very good receivers, but guys who benefited from having, who would benefit from having either another couple of really good receivers around them or what you call, you might call a legitimate number one. Yeah. Um, around them and so they had problems attitudinal problems with all of them yeah. you know one after another and it seemed you know, very strange on, well, it's a really good point and the just the, drilling down more into your point on johnson this season there shefty and others reported last week about the it kicked off in the steelers locker room right minka apparently it's minka fitzpatrick and deontay johnson and then some of the vets tj watt and others had to get it and like separate them and then there was a big talk about oh we got all got to stick together and you're thinking this is happening in a tomlin locker room and same thing with <laughs> you know with with the patriots right like two of the two of the most successful and and most authoritarian in in, in the best possible sense coaches um or at least or you know creating an environment where you don't fuck around uh yeah. And and yet well, yeah, it's, it's even happening there. Is my point? Yeah, well, different different attitudes. You know, I mean, Belichick for years has always anytime the team would lose a couple of games, they you know there'd be someone to say the lock he's lost the locker room. You mm. know, most famously when they traded Loy and Malloy oh, to, sure. the, yeah, to, yeah. The, to the Bills. You know, and yeah, and and just before and after the Kansas City game, just before the on to Cincinnati stuff. You know, yeah, there, everybody was on the worldwide leader. You know, talking yeah. talk, talking about how Belichick was beyond it, and you know. 
um, had lost the locker room. And, and so, what do we just assume that these things happen even in the? In, I don't. The Tomlin's a more interesting case yeah. because I think Tomlin. Who's, who's a player's coach in a, in yeah, a sense, you know, been, yeah. and they stick, they stick with guys, um, you know, you might argue too long in, in some yeah. cases, but, the, but they stick with guys and, and, and they play a lot on the, the rah-rah kind of side of the, yeah. of the football scale, as opposed to, as opposed to the computerized, the computerized offensive mastermind kind of yeah. uh, approach. So, that's why I made. That's why it was interesting to me that it was the wide receivers who were were suffering, and I think part of it may be that their game is not designed to be a wide receiver showcase. Sure, they ask them to do a lot of hard, hard work, yeah. a lot of blocking, a lot of going across the middle and catching the yeah. ball, and there aren't that many. There aren't that many opportunities in the last few years. Roethlisberger couldn't throw the ball more than yeah, 20 yeah, sure, yards for sure. the last two or three years of his career. Pickett is not very accurate most of the time when he when he's when he's going downfield. So I think that that might be part of the problem. And Tomlin is content with that. You know, he'll win on a short passing and, and primarily running game because yeah. he's convinced his defense is going to keep his team in games. And guys like T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick and and Cameron Haywood, uh, you know, are, are going to to work hard. And yeah. Keep them in games and that's what their game is based on being tough being pittsburgh you know um, and it's, that's it's, a re- it's a fascinating point as well you make that uh you know by association the um you know whatever roethlisberger's regression was in those last couple of years just the authority in the locker room to placate i guess the offensive side and and those players a little bit a little bit more as much as he could and now you've got kenny pickett's just not yet that kind of leader right so yeah i i think so and i think one of bill's mistakes has been to um misvalue i you know i've always talked about the way they kind of draft and sign mm. based on traits that they see in players they think they can develop it hasn't worked most of the time with with um wide receivers it is the the place the place where you can notice it the most but you know for a while they were drafting small shifty quick turning corners and and although some of the guys were good it wasn't working in their in their system um but you can't argue with producing guys like jc jackson or jonathan jones as undrafted guys you know who who are really good and although maybe only in their system mm-hmm. but but he's let character guys go clubhouse leader you know well, Malloy was the first the lawyer was one but they you know they had replacements for him um but Juju, for example, replaced Jacoby Myers. Yeah. Now, Juju on paper is a better receiver, has, offers you more than Jacoby Myers. He's bigger, he's faster, um, but Myers is a grinder, kind of. Mm. My, Myers seems to play better and understand things better, and he's done well in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, better better with... Um, better with O'Connell than he was with Jimmy G. Yeah. Um, you know, because he's a guy kind of you can trust. And and you know, Mac Jones trusted him right from the start mm. um to, to catch bad balls. Say he's he's done it um with Nick Folk, the place kicker. Okay, Nick Folk was 39. You could save a million, a couple of million by you know drafting a rookie. But Folk was a dependable guy who was kind of a clubhouse leader as well. Yeah, this season, yeah. he's only missed one field goal this season. Yeah. 
And Ryan to your point, missed, drafting, missed I mean, literally drafting in what the fourth round, as you, you said, yeah, an hour trade ago. Up and trading up, trading up, trading to do up it. So, to get him. so, yeah. so, you know, I, I just think there's that day. It was interesting to me that David Andrews was the guy who was speaking. He goes out every week, he's never afraid to go out and do the press thing. Mm. But he was saying, you know, well, he was undrafted, Bill brought him into the league. He said, mm. you know, I'm I'll die with with bill you know or whatever and i think well that's the problem isn't it yeah is that's you're kind of the ship is going down yeah, you know yeah, and yeah. And, yeah. and that's that's what that's what's that's what's happening there and i don't know i don't know as bob Kraft could fire belichick i don't think bill goes unless he wants to go um but you know maybe they maybe there's an accommodation to be made there if someone else actually is interested in him um, mm. because I think his legacy is real danger. And, and, um, but if they get a top three pick as, as many people have pointed out, that's the, the rebuild project. Poison, it's, it's, a, it's a poison chalice. If you're going to take a quarterback there, you better be right. You better yeah, have yeah, a coach. Yeah, sure. You better have a coach and a line that can, yeah, and some receivers yeah, sure, sure. to make to make him better. And I don't know if they'll, you know, if they use that first pick on a quarterback, I don't know yeah. what they're going to do to build to build around, around him the, with the success. I don't think Bill O'Brien's the answer. I don't think mm-hmm. their offensive line is the you know is the answer. That although you could probably replace it with one tackle. Maybe you know to um, mm. to make to make it better sure, next so. year. I think they've got more problems next. Next, well, they've got as many problems next year as they do this year. McDaniel's back in Foxborough. Might mark my words. I, it wouldn't surprise me. Although it's a money, it's always a money question. People don't realize what a great money ball guy Belichick is. Apart from that year when they had all that money to spare and they spent it badly in free agency. Oh, yeah, they, they're Johnny Smith, mm-hmm. Hunter Henry, free agency. Yeah. yeah, but but you know, basically he's a he's a money ball guy, well well ahead of his time in, in NFL terms. I think he might so, just think, ah, come on, last chance saloon, just ro- splash the cash. On, that it ain't my money <laughs> right bob <laughs> bye bob carlson what are you writing about this week on your patreon column i don't know i, I haven't decided I, I want to i actually want to write about tom brady and, mm. and saying that you know the league isn't as good and the quarterback problem is really bad you know and of course you know he's sitting there he hasn't played in such a long time that you know it's a whole different league since the days when he played. Sure. <laughs> well, I, I think that's that an, it's, an, it's an interesting one if I can get my head if I get my head around it. Um, we talked a bit about that with Greg with Greg on last week's show. So you can listen to listen to Greg's take on it. If to, uh, in, to in, the in honor of Greg, I will point out that Kyler Murray completed a touchdown pass to Greg Dorch. And Murray is two or three inches taller than Greg Dorch. <laughs> this is Which true. Maybe I think somebody actually said this may be the shortest quarterback Tag to wide team. receiver yeah, to, yeah. touchdown ever. I love I, it. I don't think Eddie LeBaron ever had a wide receiver who was five nine. You know, Eddie LeBaron um, was the shortest quarterback in NFL history. Love that. At Carlson Sports is how you follow Mike on Twitter or X, I should say. Stand corrected. Yeah. Uh, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMT. That is where you get the deep diving stylings and profilings. And if you're uh, if you're following the NC show on Twitter, avoid the photographs. Oh, stop being so vain. <laughs> you look great, Kai and Mike. The fans love you. You got a lot of love for uh, for that appearance as ever, and as you always do on this show. A fan favorite, I am Mike, no doubt about it. Look after yourself, bud. I'll see you next Monday you, for more chat. You too. Yeah. Okay. Monday's the fun day on the NC show. Yes, it is. See you later, Rick. Brilliant stuff, as always, from Iron Mike. He's back next Monday. We are back Wednesday with none other than Phoebe Schechter in the house. All pro 
guests keep coming thick and fast. I mean, my goodness me, what a lineup it is. Propo on Friday for Edge Rush. Oh, I'm going to love that too. We are rolling and we appreciate your support. Shout out to everyone that's uh, followed us, subscribed to us on YouTube. The community's growing on YouTube. We're releasing videos all through the week there. Catch them with me and Greg in our show last week. That's it. Head on over there for those. And if you haven't yet, you subscribe to the pod and you're listening to it, but you haven't subscribed to us on YouTube, please do. Because plenty of you clearly haven't yet. We can see the numbers and it's still a fledgling fledgling up over on youtube that we want to build and build and build so go support us go get behind that we would massively appreciate it i'm gonna see phoebe on wednesday that'll be going up on youtube for sure sports social podcast network